Right. All right, you ready? Yeah, pretty much. Let me check. No worries. Audio settings real quickly. Yeah, we're pretty much good to go now. All right, ready, Cal? Yep, let's do it. Yeah, you want to start? Yep. All right. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 114, recording this on Thursday, August 17th, 2023, just after 3.30 p.m. on the West Coast. I am Kyle Betts, joined as always by Brevin Honda. And it's been another great week of sports. And we're at that time in the sports calendar where things are starting to pick up here again, Brevin. Yeah, we're starting to get into the fall sports realm of things here among the calendar year. We're just a couple of, we're about a a week to 10 days away from college football starting once again. We got, which means NFL is going. We got preseason week two going on this coming week. We've got, um, we're starting to heat up into the final push to the Major League Baseball playoffs. As the playoff schedule was unveiled last week, we got um, the NBA schedule being announced earlier today, which we're all going to dive into uh, throughout our episode this week. Yeah, no doubt about that. We're going to touch on that, you know, accordingly here in this episode because uh, there's also so much other things to get to here in the show just because. Uh, We've had so much happening, as I've talked about, and uh, let's get started here in the Fast Five, which is completely indicative of that, Brevin, and we, we've seen so much happen within uh, women's sports lately. Let's start here with the FIFA Women's World Cup, and we have now two nations, two teams here, who have finally reached the championship in this uh, 2020 Women's World Cup. You got Spain taking England. Uh, great matchup between these two teams. I think they've both proven that um, they have been able to uh, overcome all sorts of adversity throughout this tournament. You saw Spain uh, take down Sweden just the other day, and I believe it was yesterday in which um, the England's women national football team uh, ultimately defeated Australia tournament three to one. So. Now that matchup um, a little early here, Brevin, on uh, Sunday morning, 3 a.m. Uh, so that's uh, going to be interesting. That's all because this is all hosted in Sydney, Australia. So we're going to see that uh, result most likely when we wake up, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see the two losers, Sweden and Australia, those two teams that are going to face off in the third place game. So you're still going to see the home country face off one more time in this world cup yeah that's also happening brevin and you know for me it's interesting because i get into my work uh to my job at 4 a.m brevin so by that time on the weekdays i've been able to see um some of these games during the second half it's it's pretty funny because i can't imagine most other people here on the side of the u.s watching any of these games (laughs) 
Yeah, it's interesting to see, um, you know, especially when the United States, they're not, they've already been eliminated. So it's interesting to see how many people, especially in the U.S., are still up or are waking up and watching the conclusion, like yourself, Kyle, of some of these uh, matches. Yeah, it's just so early, like like you mentioned, and you're absolutely right. So, yeah, but I I think still plenty of people are going to wake up early for this Women's World Cup final. Just because it's such an intriguing matchup, such a big deal. Obviously, you want to get the uh, World Cup only ever so often. So um, to see these two teams match up, I-, I think it's fair to say they've been the two best teams throughout the tournament, and it's going to be a good one. So we're going to follow that uh, next week on episode 115 of Down the Line, no doubt about that. But sticking within the realm of women's soccer here, Brevin, some other news here involving the U.S. women's national team. Well, they announced that Vladko Antonovsky and the team have initially agreed to part ways. Uh, sporting director Matt Crocker has named Twyla Kilgore as the interim head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. As of now, obviously, the U.S. Women's National Team defeated by Sweden in the knockout stages of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know if there was going to be a change, it had to be done sooner rather than later because this time next year... Um, during the Olympics, so it's um, not just finalizing this team from this year's World Cup, but you know, preparation ha- has to already be has to begin for next year's Olympics. And you know, I think it came to a decision where it was like, you know, do we is Vladko going to be the man going to be our head coach from twenty in twenty twenty four for the Olympics? knowing what just happened, can't even get out of the round of 16. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, Brevin. I think that's a huge factor here heading forward for the U.S. women's national team. It just seems like they need that um, generational gap to be filled as soon as possible here. They need as many young players to kind of step up their game. And I, I think it's good that a lot of them got some valuable experience here in this recent FIFA Women's World Cup, but still – um, this is now becoming a young team because you don't have Megan Rapino anymore. You don't know if you're going to have Alex Morgan for the term anymore either. So uh, the future right now kind of up in the air. I think they made um, it not look to the expectations really in this World Cup. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see the schedule and what that's going to be like, um, you know, as you get into um, probably probably January, you know, when you really think about it for the friendlies that they're going to be doing and, you know, the practices to start prepping for the Olympics next summer. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a good one. Uh, looking forward to seeing um, what they're able to accomplish then as they, uh, continue really to improve here um, as the uh, we hope to see at least um, in the near future. So we're going to continue to follow that. Uh, another uh, Team USA squad, I should say that we are following Brevin is Team USA basketball, and uh, they have a really intriguing matchup tomorrow coming up in Abu Dhabi. Uh, USA basketball men's national team taking on Greece at the Etihad Arena. Um, it's going to be a thrilling one. That's going to be on Fox Sports 1. So, once again, um, 
I believe that's uh, 8 p.m. So it's going to be a good one here. Uh, Revan, what do you think about this matchup here? Actually, I should say it's going to be at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's gonna yeah. be. So, uh, Revan, what, what do you think about that matchup? And they, they are also coming off another recent game as well, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. But they're pretty much – this is a team that's getting ready for the FIBA Basketball World Cups beginning next week, Saturday, yeah. I think it is, the 25th. Um, next week, Friday the 25th in the U.S., they are um, going to begin play pretty soon. They are facing New Zealand in their first game. Their um, their group features New Zealand, features Greece, and it features Jordan. And you look at that, um, the coaching staff. I think I saw this comparing the coaching staff to the players. The coaches have a combined 16 rings. Uh, NBA Finals championships, and I think among the players, I think it's just one. Wow, that's crazy. Going to be an interesting team that maybe you can kind of say is unproven NBA talent in terms of championships under their belt. Yeah, you know, Brevin, the game I was mentioning earlier is uh, in these you know games that they are competing in leading up to this World Cup. Um, they actually defeated the number one team in the world, Spain. So that was the game I was thinking about. Now this uh, upcoming game tomorrow, you know, leading into this World Cup, I think ever so important as well. So, yeah, you said it, Brevin. Uh, I, I think this roster uh, is very young. And so while that is the case, I think expectations are still high just because this is Team USA, and they just proved that they could beat the top team in the world. So uh, that's kind of the precedent they've been able to set really um, over the past past few decades, and we expect that to continue. Yeah, I mean, we think about, you know, whether it was the dream team in 92 at Barcelona at the Olympics. You think about um, 2008, the redeem team. You think about 2012 when they also won a gold medal, um, you know, and two. Like we mentioned with the soccer team, you know, this basketball team, they're also some of these players – might be on that Olympic team, you know, 12 months from now. So it's uh, a lot of things leading up to um, next year's Olympics and both basketball and soccer for Team USA are included. Yeah, and the uh, Team USA roster for the FIBA World Cup right now, just as a reminder, Paulo Boncaro, Mikael Bridges, you got Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cameron Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. So some high expectations for that roster. I think still, you know, plenty of talent. I would say a plethora still of talent in that Revan, in that roster. So, I mean, the expectations are still high, and, and we expect them to go far, if not win the whole thing. Yeah, and as you look at that table that I mentioned, um, Reese is ranked number technically six of their zone rank. On the yeah. among the FIBA rankings, U.S. is right there with Spain and Australia. They're sandwiched in between those two countries. Um, so that was uh, when the rankings, the FIBA rankings, were last updated in late February. Wow, there you go. All right, so we're gonna follow the FIBA World Cup as that continues here within the the Fast Five in our upcoming episodes. But now we're gonna move on to the college football preseason. Top 25, Brevin. This came out on Monday. 
as we all expected, the first AP poll of the season. So interesting to see how it all played out here. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this, Brevin, just because there were a couple of wild cards almost, it, it seemed as if, uh, in this rankings that kind of were released here. Um, trying to pull this up right now, uh, for you real quickly here. Uh, Georgia begins the number one team regardless. I mean, we all knew that they were the top team entering the season. That's exactly the case. They're number one in the country. I believe number two pulling up right now is Michigan. Yep. That's the case. And then Ohio State is number three as well. They got one first place vote, but they ended up ultimately with the number three spot. Um, you got two more SEC teams joining Georgia in the top five as Alabama is number four. And interestingly enough here, Brevin, to round out the top five, you got LSU, and it's actually marking their best preseason ranking since 2016. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the not, um, between the AP poll and the coaches poll, um, same top two with Georgia, Michigan, and then Alabama's three, and Ohio State is four. Um, Georgia received 61 of 66. Uh, first place votes with Alabama getting four, Ohio State one. Michigan did not receive a first place vote in the coaches poll, but remained at that number two spot. I think what's interesting oh. regarding Michigan, it's the uh, um regarding um their head coach and seeing how many games he is actually not going to be suspended for, um because of recruiting violations um with uh Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that whole interesting saga has been interesting. But, Brevin, you mentioned he's not going to be suspended for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right. pretty sure that's what it was. Interesting. All right. Well, there you go. Um, but it was only, yeah. like, three games. And knowing the uh, amount yeah. of preseason stuff, um, yeah. you know, that happens. You know, it feels like it didn't, wasn't that much. I mean, Pete Thamel yeah. from... ESPN, he tweeted last week that ESPN can confirm that the negotiated resolution between Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA was not approved by the NCAA's committee on infractions. So basically, it's the four game suspension is off for now, but could come next year in 2024. All right, there you go. That's interesting. Uh, let's see if that actually plays out. But like you said, Brevin, if it even, if it even plays out to be like a three game suspension, like that's usually the weaker portion of the schedule anyway. So um, mm-hmm. how much that will matter? I mean, ultimately, it just depends on the schedule makeup for that season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously losing him regardless is still a, a huge difference um, because we all know how a, a high-demanded coach that he is at every level of football. Um, I mean, he was rumored with the Broncos so much this past offseason alone. So, yeah, uh, we're going to see how that all plays out. but. That is your AP uh, top 25 poll in regards to the top five. Um, Brevin, did you notice any other teams that kind of stood out to you within these rankings here? Not really. Um, you see Washington um, inside the top 10 um, as a second Pac-12 team, um, which was a little interesting there. Um, above Texas um, as well. You see... Let's see, what was the one team? Clemson's at number nine. You get Florida State um, within that top 12. 
Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting um, to see where some of these teams fall here in this preseason. Yeah, and you don't see it every year, at least from a San Diego State standpoint. But I think interesting a little bit here, Brevin, not to see Boise State in the top 25 just because they are so highly ranked to win the conference, the Mountain West Conference this year. I think that was a little bit of a surprise to me. There's only one non-Power 5 school in the AP Top 25. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty, and that was Tulane. Um, at number 24. Yeah, and, and I think they're absolutely deserving of a ranking, especially, I mean, seeing what they did last season, the way they ended that year as well. Um, you're you're going to lose a lot of guys, but I, I think still if, if a lot of the coaches stick around, um, you're building something special there, especially if you're not a Power 5 school, just like you mentioned there, Brevin. So uh, good to see them at least represent a group of five schools here in the AP Top 25 preseason poll. We're going to see how this college football season plays out. I know that uh, USC plays San Jose State in the first week of college football, technically week zero. <laughs> week zero. And then also Notre Dame is playing overseas, I believe. I think so. Yeah. So an exciting uh, buildup now until the college football season starting soon. you got high school football starting uh, this weekend, I believe, Brevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm covering. Um, I'm actually covering my alma mater this week. Uh, tomorrow, covering Madison. Uh, wow. Taking on Point Loma, so um, I'll be back at the Madhouse uh, tomorrow night. That's awesome. You you love to see that the good vibes for football season going back to the alma mater. Uh, Brevin, it's going to be a good one, man. I'm looking forward to this high school football season. Yeah, it should be a good one. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it. As I'm praying for this game, this is going to be the first um, Madison game I'm going to be attending since the uh, um, since the 2016 regional game in the CA regionals when Madison faced off against Calabasas, and that was a thriller. Wow! So it's been a long time coming, but you were uh, you were called home. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, so yeah, we're covering that awesome. for the San Diego Union Tribune. Wow, awesome. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's amazing. Well, we will be looking forward to your coverage on that, Brevin. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Uh, everyone go follow Brevin, at Brevin Honda on Twitter for that. Um, we all know I that. I don't like tweeting I'll do, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> You'll for sure, I'll for sure tweet the story. Yeah, get that get that post game post game recap out there. Everybody, follow Brevin. Get your post notifications on because um, I'm looking forward to that. Brevin, is is this your first story with the UT? No, this will actually. I did some in the spring. Um, okay. I did more like for pro sports, um, and then okay. SDSU softball. So I was doing some okay. indoor soccer and SDSU softball. So. It'll be really the first high school prep story. So nice. I'll be doing high school preps this fall for the UT. Yeah, that's great. We'll, we'll look forward to your coverage for sure there, Robin. But yeah, you know, speaking of football, everything that's starting this week, um, actually the official release to Revan of Madden 24 actually is today. So yeah. that game came out. I pre-ordered it. So I got it on Monday. And it's actually 
seems to be not too bad of a game so far. I, I've played a lot of Madden games that I haven't liked lately. I didn't even buy last year's game, but this one I do seem to like a lot more. So um, it, it just kind of adds to the flavor of football season, really. Yeah, we'll talk more about the Madden ratings in the second half of our show, but we're going to include the Fast Five with point number five here. You're talking more football, and that comes on back to the 2009 film by the name of The Bland Side, where the retired NFL star Michael Orr, who at the time was this, one of his big um, high school products um, who went through um, the orphanage and... Um, eventually made his way to uh made a w- made his way to the college ranks in, in the NFL well on Monday or um petitioned to a Tennessee court on Monday with allegations that the central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself um at his expense and that's coming from the uh, story filed from the ESPN yeah and then you see the uh the family here and all have come out and say, you know, we, we have given him money and we'll give him, you know, what, whatever he wants pretty much. So it is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. And, uh, apparently there is disagreement on both sides here. So I'm sure this is not the last we're going to hear of this story, but yeah, it, it's definitely a serious situation here a little bit because, um, you know, th- this has such influence. I mean, th- this movie is such a big deal and, you know, based on a true story uh, was, you know, kind of the basis really for the movie itself. And, you know, obviously uh, so highly acclaimed, you know, you had Sandra Bullock when best actress as a result of that. And um, it, it would just be crazy to see, you know, if Michael Orr, you know, is in the right. And, and if this petition is in fact true, um, what the implications would be, I think I would be interested in seeing that. Per the uh, story on ESPN, the petition, which is 14 pages, uh, says the couple, uh, Leanne Shruhi and her wife, Sean, tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that has to have, you know, some sort of validity to it, but... Um, to that extent, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that means in regards to the conservatorship. I mean, I'm not too familiar with, with the subject at all. So, I mean, I'm just going to have to really just wait and see what happens. I feel like most of us are going to have to do that too, just because, um, like you mentioned, that's a 14 page petition. Um, and I, I think this has the potential, you know, to, to be a pretty, on pretty highly regarded, you know, ongoing dispute perhaps here because clearly they don't agree, like I mentioned before. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with um, this um, issue in the courts right now um, from this movie. All right, we're going to move on to Major League Baseball. Plenty of things that happened over the last week, but we're going to kick things off with a three up, three down. Kyle, you want to start us off? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, firstly, I'm going to start with uh, the three up. And um, my first team here is the uh, Dodgers for my first selection. I should say um, the Los Angeles Dodgers have been on an absolute tear. Uh, what, 10-game win streak right now, right, Brevin? Mm-hmm. And they are playing tonight, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yes, they're playing tonight. Against the group. Yeah, that's great. Sweet. 
at home. Can they pull off the sweep? We will see. But tomorrow, also, they are starting a series against the Marlins. That one's sure to be competitive. But, man, it's just crazy to see, you know, how the NOS standings have essentially flip-flopped so much over the course of the past month or so with the Dodgers, you know, just starting to put the wins together. And they're finding a way to to win close ballgames, too. And you, you see teams like the Diamondbacks now just one game above 500. I mean, that's just baseball sometimes. and. The Dodgers are showing how much talent they have despite the somewhat slow start they had to the season. Yeah, the Dodgers, you get um, a what rumored to be Dodger pitching tonight uh, for the Brewers and Corbin Burns facing off against Lance Lynn. And that's the pitch matchup between the Brewers and the Dodgers tonight. Should be a good one. Like you mentioned, the Dodgers, I also have them. Among my three up, they've just been able to find ways to pull off ones together. And we know that this isn't a Dodgers team of the past that has the starting pitching compared to what we've seen recently. But they've just been able to find ways to get the best out of these players. I mean, we think about, um, you know, whether it's Kike Hernandez and Med Rosario, these pieces they got at the deadline, um, you know, including Lance Lynn. You know, we're seeing them be able to have better success than they did in the first half with their other teams. And um, the Dodgers are finding ways to get wins. And next thing you know, we see them having their routinely double-digit lead in the National League West in August. Yeah, I think, you know, what they've been able to do has just been so impressive. And that's why they've been able to put together these wins is just, you know, taking advantage, too, of these you know, other NLS team or, you know, what they've been able to do in that regard against these other NLS teams. And, you know, what they too, like you mentioned, going for the sweep to, uh, tonight and then, um, you know, playing against other uh, different teams as of late, you know, taking down the D-backs in that recent two-game series about a week ago or so almost now. So, um yeah, every division game is so important now. And, too, I think that's why um, the D-backs are, are trying to stay competitive. Like I said, they have fallen back. But um, I think, too, at the same time, um, they've had some guys really perform well as of late. And I think one of those guys is Christian Walker. I mean, he leads the league in the past week in home runs and RBIs in the entire league. He has five home runs and 12 RBIs in the past uh, seven days. He's been a huge X factor for this team as of late. And um, it's good to see this uh, resurgence from him because um, he hasn't always been the best hitter in his career, but he's showing that he is really improving right now. Yeah, that's a good one there with Christian Walker. All right, for me, next player I want to get to, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., someone that I talked about a little bit last week when I was talking Matt Olson. The Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting three thirty five. This season, OBP of 422 and uh, slugging 573 for an OPS um, just right under 1,000 at 995 has been doing it all. 27 home runs, 73 RBIs, over 100 runs scored um, in the leadoff spot for Brian Snitker. 29 doubles, two triples this year, including one on August 4th against the Cubs. Um, 66 walks. Uh, 55 stolen bases as well. So you're seeing Ronald Cooney Jr. be able to get it done 
with his run scoring abilities, his speed, and his power um, using all five tools in his bag. Yeah, you absolutely nailed that. Five-tool player, he is a complete player, and he is the reason why the Braves are doing so well. I mean, there's other guys like Matt Olson, obviously, who have stepped up as of late, but um, he is the guy for that team. And that's why he's the National League uh, MVP favorite. Among uh, wins above replacement, Acuna ranked second. Um, in all of baseball, just behind uh, behind Shohei Otani um, at 6.1, followed by Mookie Betts third, Hassan Kim fourth. Um, Acuna um, leads all position players in war at that 6.1 mark and also offensive war. So tells you how big of an impact he's um how big an impact he is to that Braves team and a big impact right now in this NL MVP conversation. No doubt about that. Hmm. All right, Kyle, who's your last point here on the three up three out? You know, he hasn't necessarily uh performed as well as he has, I guess uh, in all of July, I guess so far this month in August, but I still got to go with Blake Snell here. I mean, uh, he has not only just been good for this Padres team, but I think for the most part, what's important and why he's a part of my three up is because he's found a really solid level of consistency. If you look at all the starts really across the entire season, he's, he's typically going five or six innings. Um, he, he's only allowing, you know, uh, between, zero and and two or three runs and most of his starts you know as uh the season has progressed and uh it's just been great to see him find that level of consistency i think is what's been so important for this padres team um he had uh six inning outings against the d-backs and orioles in this past week uh he allowed two runs in those starts but uh struck out uh seven against the d-backs and five against the orioles so uh he's kind of found his groove and these are the closest numbers that he's put together pretty much since his, uh, his best year really back in 2018, I I would say. Yeah. That 2018 season when he won the Cy Young, I'm trying to find quality starts um, Mm -hmm. right now among it. It'll take me some time, but yeah, Yeah. Blake Snell four pit, true four pitch mix, fastball, changeup, slider, curveball, Mm -hmm. all four. When he's got it working, he's dealing. He's uh right now the leader in ERA has been going back and forth with the names of like Justin Steele and Nathan Eobaldi and Garrett Cole for that top spot. Um, those are the only four players in baseball with ERAs under three. Um, and Blake Snell um is tied with Garrett Cole among those four for the most starts uh with twenty five. Wow. That's great. And yet we're talking about a Blake Snell who also started the year one and six. Yeah, I remember that too. And it felt like all hope was lost for him in a sense. And then he just completely turned it around and he, he's found a, a really good level of, of really just stability as of late. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to come back to that Blake Snell. I'm going to figure that out a little bit later on Blake Snell's quality starts. But uh, for me, I'm going to conclude our three up. With all of yesterday's events, you got the good, you got the bad that we're going to get to in a little bit, 
and the indifferent. But these are all primarily three up. There were three different things. You uh, began the day yesterday on um, yesterday on Wednesday with the Rays taking on the Giants. I don't remember the last time Tampa Bay has been in San Francisco, but Luke Rayleigh hit an inside the park home run that hit that went into Triple's alley, hit off the brick wall on the top of the fence that faces the visitors' bullpen. Came back onto the field. I think by rule, if that ball hit the brick and then went over the wall, it would have been a double. But because it hit on top of the wall, it came back onto the field to play. It was an inside the park home run. You got to see the nuances of Triple's alley which turned out to be inside the park home run alley at Oracle Park. Then you yeah. had later last night, um, Christopher Morell of the Chicago Cubs hit a th- walk-off three-run homer against the White Sox. We all know that rivalry too well between the Cubs and the White Sox in Chicago. And then just, I think, minutes after that, in the Padre game facing uh, the Baltimore Orioles, Fernando Tatis Jr. steals home for the first time in his career. All those plays, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's a, this is a great kind of combination pick here for your three up, Brevin. I mean, if you haven't seen these plays, you, you need to go watch them because describing them doesn't do it justice for sure. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it shows – the unique aspect of baseball and that's what makes it fun sometimes. So to see three of those kind of interesting, rare things happen within the course of really only a couple days, that's pretty cool. Down three to one, uh, Cody Bellinger led off the bottom of the ninth inning with a double Dansby Swanson walked. And then Christopher Morell took a 99 mile an hour heater right down the middle of the plate into right center field, into the basket um, in right center regularly. Yeah, um, that's that's already a pretty good team, but in a few mm-hmm. years, it could be even better. Mm-hmm. Then you had Fernando. He's still home with two outs in the seventh with Juan Soto up to bat. So uh, he pretty much took away Juan Soto's chances of putting the pressure on him to get him in and uh, took care of business by, by stealing home for the first time in his career. I think it's the third time. This year, someone is still home. Yeah. And I know it's at least second, because I remember Isaiah Kiner-Philippa still home. Yeah. Um, against the Mets. I can't. I thought there was a third time. I don't know off the top of my head. I think you might be right, but I, mm-hmm. I know of that Kiner-Philippa one. But, yeah, I mean, the, the still that we're talking about with Fernando Tatis, it's, it's just what he does, and... I think too, it's good to see him get another electric highlight like that because we we've kind of been waiting for that from him this season, like a really outstanding play to go viral like that, and and he found it yesterday, and I think that was fantastic. He he absolutely froze that pitcher, no chance at all, and he was fired up after that, rightfully so. Uh, I I think. Plays like that are going to give this Padres team some energy. They need to get some wins. And uh, if they need a spark, they're going to need a, a guy like him and, and some plays like that to do it. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's our three up. Kyle had the Dodgers. He took um, it was an NOS theme three up with the Dodgers, Arizona's Christian Walker, and San Diego's Blake Snell. 
I had Ronald Acuna Jr., the Dodgers, as well as yesterday's uniqueness to the game of baseball with Fernando Tatis Jr. stealing home plate, Christopher Morel's walk-off comeback through and homer, and Luke Rayleigh's inside-the-park home run in San Francisco. All right, let's get to our three down. Kyle, where do you want to start? Yeah, I'll kick things off here. I'm going to go with the New York Yankees because absolutely no one is surprised about this pick here. Two and eight in their last 10 games. They've fallen behind 500 when uh, things were looking up for them, but uh, just out completely getting outperformed by other teams, getting swept by the White Sox. They took one of three against the Marlins. They're getting swept pretty easily by the Braves, getting shut out twice in that series. Uh, Just not hitting the ball here, Revan, and uh, it's pretty much showing. Yeah, I also have the New York Yankees on here. You pretty much said what I was going to say. You know, this is a Yankees team that just hasn't been able to perform the way that we kind of had expectations. Well, not just we, but a lot of people had expectations on this Yankees team. Here in 2023, it is the, uh, let me find this tweet because it was, I thought it was pretty hilarious. Um, the Yankees um, are under 500 um, at this point. Last time the Yankees were under 500 this late in the season, it was September 5th, 1995. Before the Yankees had won those four World Series, Derek Jeter was recalled from the minors for good. Nine active Yankees on this current team were not born yet, and their manager, Aaron Boone, was playing in double-A. Wow. (laughs) Uh, It's courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. What a stat. Hmm. All right, so Kyle and I both had the Yankees. Kyle, who else do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, Wander Franco situation as my second down here because – it, the the report is, is very unfortunate here, uh, Brevin, uh, and uh, it appears that we're not going to see uh, Wander Franco in the uh, MLB for quite some time because there is a report that uh, he is now under investigation in the Dominican Republic for an alleged relationship with a minor. Now, this investigation began earlier in the week following social media rumors surrounding the shortstop that alleged that Franco was engaging in an inappropriate relationship with Meyer and will be subsequently opened an investigation on Sunday. And now a new report cast out on the future of his career in baseball because baseball insider, Hector Gomez, I believe this was two days, uh, two days ago actually reported that a source close to the matter says it's unlikely that Wander Franco will play in MLB again, judging by the results of these investigations that are currently being carried out and they commit him to the accusations against him. So we'll have to see really how this all plays out, Brevin. Yeah, it is see what happens. You know how good of a player Wander Franco is, but we'll have to see the type of person that comes out of this situation um, for Wander Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays, who uh, Franco did not travel with the team. All right. Um, where am I going to go here now? I'm going to go with the Giants here. Um the Giants, uh, last week we talked about how the uh, um, D-backs haven't been playing well. The Giants, they kind of ha- they haven't been putting wins together um, like the uh, um, like the Arizona Diamondbacks, like I mentioned last week. But 
when you look at the Giants here, um, the Giants have lost three of seven. They're uh, 10 games back of the Dodgers for first place. The Giants, they're second place of the uh, NL West. They've been playing all right, but you know, this is a team that could be playing a lot better. Um, obviously, getting through, um, just playing the Rays. They still got some pretty good teams down the stretch, including, obviously, those matchups within the division against teams like the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle, who else you have among your three down? Yeah, I'm going to go here with uh, Dylan Moore from the Seattle Mariners. Now, he was activated on June 6th from the 10-day IL. I, be- I believe he's been uh, kind of banged up a couple times throughout the season. Um, but, you know, th- this th- this guy, I mean, he, he, he has struggled at times and, and has shown his last 14 at-bats, he only has one hit in those. And uh, during that span, six strikeouts. Um, so uh, having a difficult time really just contributing to this Seattle Mariners team. And I feel like that's kind of been the theme of his career, essentially, to this point so far, while donning a Seattle Mariners uniform. Obviously, uh, he had a good uh, season back in 2020, but that one was shortened. So um, he hit 255 that year, otherwise hasn't hit better than 224. Um, right now, he's hitting 205 this season, um, and he has struggled at the plate at times. That's been shown in the past week. Yeah, that's a good decision there. All right, final one for me here. We go out to St. Louis where I've got Adam Wayne right here. His last two starts, he's gone a combined four innings, and isn't uh, he's gone given up nine hits in each of those outings. He's given up a combined 15 runs, two walks, uh, five Ks, uh, and two home runs, ERA combined of 33.75. Uh, wow. And Kyle, part two, guess who these uh, two teams are against? I well, I I'm now looking at the stats for Adam Wainwright because yeah. I just pulled them up out of curiosity. Yeah. And uh, Brevin, it's it's not good teams. No, two last place teams in their respective divisions. Uh, the Colorado Rockies. He went three innings against the Rockies at home, and then uh, uh went one inning against the Royals in at Coffin Stadium. Um, on August 11 of last week, went one inning against the Royals, nine hits, eight earned, two homers. Yeah, it was just um, 39 pitches. This is not a good outing for Adam Wainwright. Yeah, and today, Brevin, he went six innings actually against the New York Mets as well, and he gave up three runs. So, uh, what quality start? Yeah, so you give him that, but. Still, his ERA on the year, 8.42. That was a good turnaround since his start against the Cubs on July 29th when Wayno went six innings, uh, gave up seven hits, four earned, three walks, three Ks, and two homers. Mm. So that was the most recent best start. Uh, Last win for Adam Wainwright, June 17th uh, in New York against the Mets. Hmm. When he recorded a quality start there, six and a third, three earned, seven hits, two walks, three Ks, two homers. 
All right, so that's our three uh three down. We'll move on to the Padres. We're going to remain in some pitching news where Padres starting pitcher Yu Darvish, he surpassed Hideo Nomo for most strikeouts by a Japanese-born player with his 1,919th K on Monday. Yeah, that's outstanding. Yu Darvish obviously leaving such a lasting legacy here in Major League Baseball. And it's great, you know, to see um, his career just unfold the way that it has. He's always been so reliable, um, so dependable as well, just all throughout his career. That's why he's been able to achieve this milestone. And you got to think sooner than later, we're going to see him hit 2,000 very soon. Yeah, you know, you've seen, obviously, the success that he's had um, in Japan. Um, as well, and be able to just be able to see that transition, but not just for one or two years, but to do that more than a decade tells you, you know, it's kind of similar to the way we talk about Ichiro Suzuki and his ability after, um, you know, once he came to the United States from Japan. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, even though Darvish got the lot, uh, took loss on Monday. The Padres still took two out of three from Baltimore. Uh, like we talked about, um, including yesterday's victory with Fernando Tatis Jr. stealing home plate. The Padres now face Arizona in a four-game series, followed by Miami to close out a three-team, ten-game homestand um, next week, Wednesday. Yeah, it's got to feel good to have the team at home. Obviously, Revan, I know that you mentioned to me earlier that you know, the remnants of this Hurricane Hillary could perhaps affect one, maybe two, perhaps even three, uh, really, of these games this weekend. Yeah, I think it's got the possibility more to be an impact on Sunday's game against Arizona and Monday's game against Miami, um, because that's when pretty much the full brunt of the storm is supposed to come in those two days. Yeah. so and knowing that Arizona doesn't is is not right now scheduled to come back, um, you know it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah. It might have to be like what the Giants and Tigers did earlier in the year, where those two teams had to uh, meet again in Detroit for uh, for one game. So that might be possible, um, especially for Sunday's game against the D-backs to conclude the four-game series. Luckily, those teams are a lot closer than the distance between Detroit and San Francisco. And then I feel like the game against with Miami could be a... You could see a two uh, a doubleheader either Tuesday or Wednesday. Possibility, depending on it. But we'll see for sure from what the actual weather is and then what the Padres' decision um, is as well. Um, with this weather, but these are two teams that are with um, above the Padres um, in the wildcard standings right now. All right. Uh, you want to move on to uh, Angels here, Brevin? Let's get into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've had some, you know, recent news with the team, but before we get to that, I kind of want to talk about the recent performances. I mean, uh, Brevin, we, we mentioned last week that this is essentially the most important part of this season was 
starting on Friday, August 11th uh, against the Houston Astros, the three-game series against them on the road in Texas, followed by another road series against the Texas Rangers. Um, in those series, just not what you want to see really overall, especially at this point in the year, Revan, with the Angels going two and four. Um, just rough going all around, uh, especially in uh, a couple games in, in which the Angels just couldn't really produce any runs. Yeah, it's just been tough to see. I mean, but it tells you how important this month of August was going to be for this team playing playoff contending teams here um, pretty much since the trade deadline and just before. I mean, we talked about it, you know, facing teams like Toronto, the Braves, Seattle, San Francisco, Houston, Texas. You face the the you face the Rays for three games at home. You face the Reds at home, and then you go on the road. Um, still got to face the Phillies. So for a three team, um, three team nine uh, nine game road trip where you go to New York to face the Mets, go to three to face the NL champs and the Phillies, and then you go and face the uh, the ace. Yeah, that's going to be a tough stretch there, Brevin. I think no doubt about it. Despite the Mets' struggles, there still have been games at this point in the season in which they have been able to deliver strong performances, not only on the mound, but they, they've got the bats going. So I think really anything is possible here for um, any of these teams involved in the series. And, and this is a crucial upcoming homestand to series homestand, if you will, against the Rays and the Reds. Do you think it's possible that um, Kyle? Would you say the problem right now for the Angels is more on the pitching side or more on the offense? Man, that is a tough question. I think it's been a little bit of share of both as of late. Um, it, it just kind of depends how you look at it, but still, you see the impact of I would say the injuries at the plate being more of an issue for this team at this point, um, just because the Angels are still missing guys like Mike Trout, uh, Logan O'Hoppy, which we'll touch about uh, him in a second. And uh, also Anthony Rendon. I mean, wh- where is this guy? Nowhere to be found. And uh, I-, I think, you know, that's just three regular starters that we're not seeing out there. Zach Nano still not back from his uh, back strain, I believe it is. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, just a waiting game, really, to see some of those guys try and come back this month because uh, a lot of them were projected to do so. So um, they need all the help they can get right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I say that because, Kyle, this is an Angels team that has not scored more than 10 runs in a game since July 27th, that second game of that doubleheader against um, Detroit before this big stretch and uh, uh the the angels pitching well you could assume it's pitching it could also be the defense has allowed more than 10 runs in a game four times uh since July 27th yeah like i said i think you know i do say it's a share of both but like i think you have a really good point there and that's why i touch on these injuries like mm-hmm. This team can't produce at the plate, and, and I don't want to say it's because, you know, a lot of the guys haven't stepped up because they have at, at times, you know, some bench players, but it's just 
not the production you need right now to sustain uh, a, ch- a chance of winning. Yeah, you mentioned those injuries. We saw Griffin Canning um, get activated from the 15-day IL list, and then we're starting to see another possibly come back in the near future with Logan O'Hoppy going to AAA Salt Lake for a rehab assignment. Yeah, two guys that I think will be crucial to the Angels. I mean, Griffin Canning at times this season has looked really good, I, I would say, even especially as of late. And now the question is for this Angels team, who, who's going to fill in where, especially within this rotation? Because Shohei Otani now we're starting to see the effects of fatigue on him. And this is obviously an MVP year for him, but he had to uh, skip one of his uh, previous starts as of late. Uh, because of tiredness, essentially, and uh, not faulting him by any means or anything like that. But um, I, I think the Angels might have to adjust to that just in case it happens in the future, because this is still such a long season ahead, and he might need that in order to uh, help this team continue to perform. Obviously, um, time is ticking, but if, if the Angels can somehow string a few more wins together than they have as of late, um, maybe they can afford him to kind of take a little bit more of a of a backseat and get, get a little bit more of a rest because I, I think that might be what he needs. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with the Angels. Right now we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk the running back news with the new signings of Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. We're going to talk about uh, Ezekiel Elliott's former teammate also getting a new deal. We're going to talk... Now maybe Javante Williams that we teased last week about his return. I'm also talking about the uh, announcement of the 2023-24 NBA schedule announcement from earlier today. So that's all coming up next year on Down the Line. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 114, recording this Thursday, August 17th. Once again, I am Kyle Beth, joined by Brevin Honda. Earlier in our show, we got to quite a bit with our Fast Five. We got into our uh, Women's World Cup latest updates, and we also touched on the U.S. Women's National Team parting ways mutually with their manager, and now uh, a new interim coach, Twyla Kilgore, has been uh, promoted. Uh, we also got into another Team USA and talked the FIBA World Cup basketball team and what we expect out of them and uh, the upcoming tournament with the FIBA World Cup just ahead. We got into our college football preseason top 25 and touched on some uh, latest Michael Orr news with the blind side at the forefront of sports and really just pop culture headlines this week uh in the news we also touched on our three up three down and got into our potters and angels latest now we're going to get into some football as brevin touched on before a lot of uh recent running back news here brevin and we we finally seen some guys uh 
inked some deals and it's kind of been a long time coming for them. Yeah, we we knew an idea both these players were going to sign, but it was just a matter of where and um, for how much. But former Minnesota Vikings uh, running back Dalvin Cook signed a one-year deal um, with the New York Jets. So instead of playing against Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North, he now gets to play with them in the AFC East. Yeah, I think a good reason for this is because Brees Hall, he is very versatile, and we have seen him throughout training camp so far in preseason uh, practices. Uh, he's been out there lining up at wide receiver, and so they can use him really at, at anywhere out there. There's also guys like Garrett Wilson, you got Alan Lazard, a couple experienced guys as well. Randall Cobb brought over from Green Bay too. I mean, this team's in pretty good hands with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. I feel like, you know, um, if he was able to put up numbers the way he did last year without really uh, any notable receivers besides maybe a couple guys, Alan Lazard being one of them, um, you know, I, I think he's still going to have his way because now he's surrounded by even more talent. Dalvin Cook adds to that. And that means, too, Dalvin Cook will face his brother on a week one of this uh, regular season coming up with brother <laughs> James Cook. So yeah. you see both of them uh pop up. But you can see how many how many bets will be made amongst that family of either who's gonna get more yards, who's gonna score more touchdowns, who's gonna catch more passes. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be a lot of fun, whether it's their family or um I'm pretty sure James Cook didn't James Cook go to uh UTEP as well. James Cook, no, I believe he went to oh so Dalvin went to Florida State. I know that for or uh, or oh, they're both from New Mexico is what I meant to say. But I know yeah, James, James Cook. Uh, okay, yeah, James Cook went to Georgia. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I wonder see how much of the community of El Paso is going to be watching this game with Cook brothers facing yeah. off against one another um, in this matchup. All right. Also, the other running back Ezekiel Elliott, former Dallas Cowboy. Got ousted after Tony Pollard took charge of that running back position last year in Dallas, signed a one-year deal uh, with New England. Yeah, definitely. I, I think this is a solid deal for New England. I don't know how much it takes away from Ramondre Stevenson other than goal line carries. We all know that Zeke's a power back. Um, he got bigger since he entered the NFL and, Never really seemed to slim down after that. And he's been effective, too, from from short down distance. And I think that's what's made him still effective. And that's why he's getting $3 million. Compare that to the contract he got before. And it, it, it's a pretty astounding decrease, Brevin. I think it's got to be up there with one of the uh, ultimate uh, kind of uh, loss in revenue or, or kind of decrease in salary that we've seen in quite some time because I mean Ezekiel Elliott what is he he's got to be like uh 29 28 years old I mean he still potentially has some years ahead of him in the NFL and uh yeah I mean now he's only making three million dollars so I, I think he's got to use this opportunity really just to take advantage of it and prove that he can still be an effective rusher yeah, I think too, when you think about turning 28, you know, it's kind of like that peak age of 
when these running backs start to decline. Obviously, Derrick Henry was a lot different last year because he was coming off the foot injury from the year before. But um, you started to see these running backs, you know, and that's why you're starting to see how much of a turnaround this running back position is after four years. You just go on to the next one. So that's why you're seeing um, Alexander Madison take over in Minnesota, um, Tony Pollard now in New England, uh, just to name a couple. Yep. All right. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott's former Cal- Dallas Cowboys teammate, the All-Pro lineman Zach Barton. He's agreed with the Dallas Cowboys to rework his contract, now earning $36 million over the next two seasons. Yeah, quite the deal here, but they needed to do it because they need Zach Martin out there. He is their best lineman. And if you don't have him, then there's going to be a rough going protecting Dak Prescott. So... Uh, they do the right thing by paying him. He's getting a lot of money, but it is very deserved. And he is likely up there as a top two or three lineman in the NFL. Uh, I would probably say probably top two along with Trent Williams. Yeah, I mean, when you think about Zach Martin and the impact, I mean, I think we knew that a deal was going to be possible. I mean, Jerry Jones, I think we he can figure out how to get Zach Martin on the field. Um, mm-hmm. But then you think about the impact. You know, it's Dak Prescott. It's for Tony Pollard trying to create holes for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and just like you mentioned, being able to protect Dak Prescott from get, going down with sack. So good to see Zach Martin get that deal done with the Cowboys. Now it's week two of the preseason, the middle week of this preseason as possibly could see Javante Williams make his return. Yeah, he is making his return, Brevin. Actually, he uh, he officially is. It was announced today, in fact. And uh, he will play 10 to 12 snaps, apparently. So... Mm-hmm. He will be out there for a pretty significant amount of time, Brevin. What do you what do you think? I mean, ten to twelve snaps, that is pretty much the equivalent of two drives. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. I would yeah. I would assume at least one. I think it depends on how long the starters are out there for yeah. in this second game. Playing in San Francisco um against the Niners Saturday evening. Yeah, last week, Brevin, the starters were out there for quite some time playing into the second quarter about halfway in. So uh, game flow obviously is dependent on that, but they were in for three drives. And the reason for that, Brevin, was because Sean Payton said he wanted to see them score. They ultimately did. Um, so he he needs to see success. He demands it. And his his uh, demeanor, his attitude is what this team needs. And they, they need a will to win. Um, obviously, he didn't really have their way in that first game, but – I think a lot of these starters might be out there not as long, as long as they score. <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, right now the Browns are currently beating the Eagles fifteen to ten with five seventeen left in the third quarter. Um, Telemon just threw a touchdown pass <laughs> um, to Austin Watkins Jr. from thirty two yards out. Yep. Um. Also making um 
Kenneth Gainwell get tackled in the end zone for a safety for to open wow. the scoring. Uh, Jake Elliott also made a 56-yard field goal, so it was 3-2 Philly uh, after both teams, uh, after one quarter. Then uh, Cade York made a couple of field goals to make it 8-3, and that's how it led to um, uh, both teams treated touchdowns with Trey Sermon scoring from 33 yards out. And then that touchdown pass to Austin Watkins Jr. So 15 to 10 right now in favor of the Browns. Yeah, you got Trey Sermon playing, as you mentioned, and Rashad Penny out there yep. getting some action in for the Eagles. You, you got to love to see that, Brevin. Mm-hmm. Rashad Penny right now, um, as we are here with 517 left in the third right now, two carries for 18 yards. So that's good to see um, and does not have a target. So that is the look right now. Um, tomorrow, you got the Panthers and Giants facing off, followed by the Bengals and the Falcons. Saturday's action, Jaguars and Lions, Dolphins, Texans, Bills, Steelers, Bears, Colts, Bucks, Jets, Chiefs, Cardinals, T- Titans, Vikings, Pat, uh, Patriots, Packers, Broncos, Niners, Raiders and Rams, followed by Cowboys and Seahawks. And then on Sunday, you get the Saints and the Chargers. And then we get Monday Night Football here with the Ravens taking on the Commanders. Hmm. So that's a little look at week the Week 2 schedule here. All right. We'll move on now to the Madden release that we talked about um, earlier in the week. Kyle, or earlier, I think it was today, I think it was. Um, yeah, officially or, everywhere today. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction, Kyle, to this new Madden release here, Madden 24? Yeah, it's a big release. I, I think uh, a big part of this game is because it is cross-platform, you can play against guys on Xbox, you can play against guys on PS5. Uh, I believe you can also play P- PC players even if you have a console as well. So that's a big part of this game now is is EA Sports, you know, they've made it more accessible um, to finally, you know, play against people on other consoles and different platforms because that, that's something that people have been waiting for for quite some time now. So that was a big influence and in, in why I bought it um, because I know I know more people who play Madden on the Xbox than I do on PlayStation 5. I have a PlayStation 5. So um, the game itself, so far I actually have enjoyed it more so than any Madden I've played probably in, in quite some time, probably a few years. Um, the gameplay so far, it, it is very realistic. It, it, it feels like, you know, the players actually feel like football players uh, that you can actually control and, and you have somewhat of a, a solid control, I, I guess, over what they're able to do. And, and the animations are a lot more realistic than they've been in the past, too. So, uh, so far, my experience with it, it has been good. And it's just a mark of another football season, essentially, Brevin. I mean, it's... Uh, Kind of one of the best times of year when when you get uh, preseason going and Madden's another part of that. And in just a couple of weeks, we'll be kicking it off. Tyreek Hill, uh, Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill. He spoke to the media, I think it was today. Mm-hmm. And he uh, Tyreek said he doesn't watch film. Instead, he plays Madden the night before game. To check the ratings of court the the quarterback the cornerbacks he'll be facing 
uh, Tyreek said, I see their awareness, their speed, the strength, and that's how I get a good tell on them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he might have a point because (laughs) there are Madden talent evaluators. Now, I don't know necessarily what it takes to become one of those uh, people in, in a position of that sort, but those sorts of positions out there exist. Also, there are uh, matting rating adjusters. So there's Madden people on the sideline of usually every football game in the NFL, and they're evaluating these players out there real time. And depending on their performance, their rating either goes higher or lower on a, a Monday or Tuesday update. So, yeah, I mean, Madden is, is taken very seriously by some people, and clearly Tyreek Hill is, is one of those guys because he trusts those Madden talent evaluators clearly more than his film, I guess, right? Let's see. The top cornerbacks um, on Madden. Let's see if I can figure this out. But I figure you've got... Sauce Gardner, I would assume. Yeah. Um, names like that. Um, Pat Sertan. Yep. Yeah, here he goes. All right. Jalen Ramsey, his team, yep. uh, Tyree Kill's teammate. Jair Alexander. There's Pat Sertan, Marlon Humphrey, uh, and Sauce Gardner round out the top five. You got Darius Slay, Stefan Gilmore, Marshall Lattimore, Andrew Davis White. All of those players are ranked at 90 or above. Yep, there you go. So that is just an update on the cornerback rankings that the same Tyreek Hill is looking at, the same (laughs) ratings that you and I are and everyone listening. (laughs) All right, we're going to move on to the NBA. In addition to Madden being fully released, the NBA schedule was released earlier today, something we brought up last week as sources. Kyle, anything stand out to you about this year's uh, NBA schedule? Yeah, honestly, Brevin, I, I really didn't see much from that. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look right now, but um, obviously last week we went over uh, opening night and the uh, Christmas Day matchups. Obviously, that's such a big deal with uh, each and every one of, of these upcoming seasons. And um, I, I think those two games are, are really the biggest here, but it's going to be fun to see not only that matchup too, but uh, just taking a look at, at this new re- newly released schedule right now, um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is now being uh, even much more celebrated, I believe, than it has been in the past. They're having a doubleheader on TNT. NBA TV is having two games. Um, so, uh, that's going to be interesting. There's also going to be NBA rivals week where teams and players will take center stage for the second annual NBA rivals week. And, uh, that's going to be the focus of all 11 nationally televised games across four networks over five days at the end of January. Uh, there's not going to be any games on election day and all 30 teams will play on the final day of the regular season. So, um, that's pretty much the rundown that uh, I found notable uh, for this new NBA regular season schedule release. And I'm looking forward to seeing how a lot of these teams play. And I think a lot of the 
attraction to start this new year is going to be surrounding Victor Wembanyama and how he performed with the San Antonio Spurs. Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs host the Dallas Mavericks for their first game of the year on Wednesday, October 25th on ESPN. That's a 6.30 uh, p.m. Pacific time tip-off. So you've got Victor Wembanyama going up against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Before that game, you get the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks facing off in the Garden. The day before on Tuesday was the two games that we uh, brought last week with the Lakers taking on the Nuggets. That's the first game at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, followed by the Suns and Warriors at 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock Pacific. So you see a rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals between LeBron and uh, um, Nikola Jokic, as well as you get... The matchup of Chris Paul facing his former team. Um, and it looks like it could be also surprisingly Katie's first appearance against his former team, the Golden State Warriors, um, on opening night, October 24th. Yeah, looking forward to that, man. I mean, just so many different matchups that are going to be intriguing throughout this season and uh, different storylines that will happen. We all know how hectic that the season gets as it goes on and I think we're not only going to see that throughout the standings but also as we approach the trade deadline I feel like each and every year it gets crazier around that time as we see players move around and I I expect that to completely continue this season yeah the other six national tv games um the following three days to open the season you get Sixers Bucks on October 26th at 4 30 p.m pacific time followed by Suns at Lakers at 7 o'clock p.m. On Friday, October 27th, you get Heat and Celtics, a bringing match of last year's Eastern Conference Finals. And you get the Warriors at the Kings, a rematch of last year's Western Conference Semis. That was the only series, the only series in uh, each conference that went seven games. Also, that game seven was uh, Steph Curry's 50-pointer. 50-point game that he put up yep. in that game seven against the Kings. And then on Saturday, both these games are NBA TV. You get the Knicks and the Pelicans. So first time we'll see Zion Williamson on national TV if he's healthy. And then yep. you get the Utah Jazz going up against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, both great games that we're going to, uh, I'm sure, you know, follow throughout the course of the season. Yeah, so like you said, we're also going to see the uh inaugural NBA in season tournament take yeah. place um huh. in November that we brought a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um let's see the schedule for that because that was uh like you mentioned that begins Friday, November third with um Cleveland, Indiana, um Knicks and Bucks on ESPN. Uh Wizards he Nets, Bulls, Warriors, and Thunder, followed by Mavericks um, and Nuggets on ESPN, and then uh, Grizzlies and Trailblazers on that first game of November 3rd. So that's that first game of the, uh, that's that first day of the in-season tournament. You're going to have the Nets and Celtics on ESPN during the um, uh, Net Celtics, Lakers, Suns on 
uh, national TV during the in-season tournament as well. So we broke that uh, the NBA Cup a few weeks ago. So go find out that episode to see the whole breakdown um, and the teams that are within the schedule. All right. We're going to move on now. I think we're going to trivia. Yeah, we're going to trivia. I'm on the block and the subjects on NFL and I'll let Kyle take it away from here. Yeah, uh, Brevin, first thing I want to start off by asking you just a simple question here. Uh, did you do your Immaculate Grid today? I did. How did you do on your Immaculate Grid? Uh, let's see. Baseball-wise, let's see. Um, I did some of the Immaculate Grid. I didn't fully complete it. Mm-hmm. Um, how many did I get so far? I think I've gotten... Oh, yeah, I did it online. I think I got six, I think it was. Let me check. Mm-hmm. I think I got six or six so far, yeah. Okay. I still need a Twins and Phillies player, a Twins and Mariners player, and a Twins MVP. Okay, yeah, that's tough. Um, so my question for my next question for you is, did you do the football macular grid? No, because I didn't have any idea. <laughs> I looked at it and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I can't. I don't see anybody that I can get. I'm going to go zero for nine. All right. How about we try it out? All right. But I give you some hints. Okay. So I think you would have a chance at doing at least some of this. Okay. And I'm looking, a possibility. Yeah. I'm looking at some of the most popular answers on here. And so what I'm going to do is give you these answers, but you're going to have to match them to each box. Oh, Oh, gosh. (laughs) Has DeAndre Hopkins played a game yet for the Titans? Uh, (laughs) It's a game, not an answer anyway. Technically, you could say them, but uh, Um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) we can try this out and see if if it actually works. Okay, this is going to be fun. All right. So I'm going to share my screen. All right. Here. Uh, hold on one second. Let me see if I can go incognito. Because it won't let me go back on Chrome. Oh, Garrett uh, Cooper with a ground rule double. Oh, really? The bottom of the third inning. <laughs> Keeping track of the pottery game, everybody. Still 0-0 zero, zero in the bottom of the third. All right, here we go. Right. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, there okay, here All we right. go. <laughs> We're going to start off here with right. um, a name that most people are familiar with, I would say. And we're going to go with Andy Dalton. We're going to go Dalton. with Andy Dalton. And Brevin is going to have to guess um, between several different squares here on the football immaculate grid. Including the Bills, Jets, Bears, Dolphins, Cowboys, and Titans. Mm -hmm. So those first two teams, they are the ones going down, technically the Y-axis. And then the Dolphins, the Cowboys, and the Titans are going perpendicular to that on the X-axis. So first one is Andy Dalton. Jeez, I know Andy Dalton, who was a Cowboy. So now it's... I don't think he was in Buffalo. 
Andy Dalton is in Chicago. I'm going to go Andy Dalton in Chicago and at Dallas. Andy Dalton is correct. Andy Dalton now plays for the Carolina Panthers, but uh, you're absolutely right there. There you go. One for one. Andy Dalton getting to groom and mature Bryce Young. Definitely. All right. Next, we're going to go with a wide receiver that most people, I would say, are also – I'm familiar with this is a, this is a pretty sim- somewhat popular NFL player I would say uh, he's a wide receiver he's been in the league for quite some time he's a veteran Corey Davis oh jeez uh, I know Corey Davis has played with the Titans but oh I think Corey Davis I'm gonna take a crack here played with the Titans and has played with the New York Jets. All right, let's see if that is correct here, Revan. The Titans and the Jets. Maybe. Yeah, there we go. That's correct. See, here's the thing. I can name players with their current teams, but then players with their former teams, that's where the challenge starts to come in. Yeah, I totally feel that. That's uh, that's pretty much normal, though, I would say. Uh-huh. Um. All right, we're going to go now with, I would say, one of the more popular players also, probably over the course of the last decade. I would say most people knew of him just because uh, he, he was always pretty notable. Uh, he, uh, This player now, um, Cole Beasley. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> I should have said, I shouldn't have said that. So I'll give you that one, Cole Beasley. Oh, okay. So that's a free one for you. Oh, I'll give you that. I know he played with the Bills. I didn't know if it was Miami, Dallas, or Tennessee. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll give you that. Colby's okay. that. All right. Three didn't three. mean to say his name, but I did. Oh well, that's all right. Okay, I'll give you that free one. Um, now this is going to be a tough one here. Um, a little difficult here. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think of any players. Yeah. Can you see can you think of any right now? I'm trying to think. <laughs> Just out of curiosity. No, I'll give you a hint. Think think about quarterbacks. Yeah, that's where I'm trying to go. Um it's tough because players like Andy Dalton, they go from starting and then they're on these new teams, but they're not starting. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I know Ryan Tannehill's not an answer, mm-hmm. so I can take Ryan Tannehill out of it. Uh, let's see. No, Cooper Rush has not played with the Jets, so <laughs> Ben DiNucci has not played a game yet. So with the Jets, I don't think. Um, and Dak Prescott, no. Uh, let's see, Bills. Oh, I think I I can get one. Yeah. Bills and Dolphins. Okay. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. 
That is the only one I can probably get. Yeah, there you go. And I'll give you this one as well. Uh, you can only use one uh, per... One, yeah, okay. Okay. All right, well... Oh, yeah, that's right. Ryan Fitzpatrick was in Tennessee. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, let's see. Um, The only way I remember Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins was the uh, infamous uh, face mask penalty against Ryan Fitzpatrick in Las Vegas during the 2020 COVID season. Really? And that wild, what should have been a Raiders victory, uh, but wasn't between the Raiders and the <laughs> Raiders and the Dolphins um, mm-hmm. at Allegiant Stadium. Definitely. Primarily, I was only watching that game because Darren Waller was on my fantasy team that year. Yeah, so you're like paying all the attention to it. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can name anybody else. So far, four for four with a free space of Cole Beasley. Five left to go. Dolphins, Jets. Let me give you a hint right here, Bevan, for Titans. Okay. And- Titans and Bills. Think about wide receivers from from recent years. Oh, Let's see. Stephon Diggs, no, because that's Minnesota. Um... Gabe Davis is, is his third year with the Bills. He was drafted by the Bills. Uh, we already said Cole Beasley. Oh, and I know I'm missing one. He's a waiver. He's been a waiver wire piece of the last few years. I feel like I'll give you a hint. This player now plays for the Houston Texans. Oh, oh that doesn't. Make sense. Is this Brandon Cooks? That's a good guess, but it's not Brandon Cooks. Okay, then the next guess I was going to say would be. Uh, John Menchie, I think it is. It's a good guess, but also not that. Oh, yeah. either? Oh, wow. Okay. Give you his school. His university. Okay. USC. Oh, that doesn't help us much. Um, um, he won a Super Bowl with none of the teams that we're talking about. All right. Let's see. Titans, Bills, wide receiver, USC. Uh, well, it's not Amon Ross St. Brown. Obviously not Jordan Addison. <laughs> Tough one. Yeah, yeah um, let's see. Titans, Bills, wide receiver. I don't think it is. Isaiah McKenzie, I don't think so, but. Good guess, but no. Um, a good guess. Let's see here. Uh, has this guy been a fantasy wide receiver waiver wire pickup in the past, or yeah. has he been a yeah. okay? Yeah. All right, that's where the Isaiah McKenzie idea came to mind. Um, yeah. let's see, I'm trying to think of any other they could think of. Oh, geez, not been pretty high for some time, a couple years. Yeah. Is this Kiki Kuti? That's another good guess, but no? I'll give it to you. Okay, who is it? It's Robert Woods. Robert Woods is on the Bills? <laughs> was I it? Think... Oh, this was before he went to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that I forgot was... about that one. I just wanted to get your knowledge on that one, but okay. that's a good right. one, though. 
We'll, we'll keep. Uh, that's right. Robert was was in. Dolphins and Bears. Think quarterbacks here. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a quarterback. Rex of the 2000s. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you another team he played for. Broncos. Well, I know it's not Peyton Manning. John before, Elway? Before, before Peyton Manning, after John Elway. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to get that one. Um, I know it's definitely not Dan Marino. No. I don't think Dan Marino played with the Jets, so I can take that name off that one for the when is there? He was sent to the Bears in a in a huge trade oh. by the Broncos. Oh gosh. Uh, well it's not Drew Locke. <laughs> okay. Oh man. I was like, don't even get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. This is another tough one. I, I could tell. Uh, bears and dolphins. Quarterback. Did uh, this quarterback go on to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No, not even close. Nope. Okay. But he. Um, but he was traded for two first rounders and a third rounder. Are you able to research who those two first rounders were? Uh, I don't know who they were actually. Yeah. Uh, That's fine. This is a tough one. Okay, I'll tell you who he was traded for. Okay. Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton. All right, something similarity of Kyle Orton. If it's any similar to the Drew Lock Russell Wilson trade, um. All right, let's see. I'm trying to think of any other quarterbacks during that time. Uh, well, not the 2004 draft, but oh, with Rivers, Roethlisberger, and Eli Manning. I know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't think I know this one. All right, Kyle, who is Dolphins and Bears that you were thinking of? Yeah, Dolphins and Bears. This is Jay Cutler. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that makes more sense. I knew that was he's been, a... He's been, he was in the like since that, 2006? Wow, okay. Yeah. I realized it was 2006, okay. So this is pretty tough, but I would still say you're, you're doing pretty well here. Um. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, I'm going to give you a couple other names on here, and, and you're going to have to discuss the rest here, all right? All right, sounds good. Um, Vinny Testaverde. No offense to Vinny, but I think this is the first time I'm hearing his name. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to this part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, I'll, I can give you... I'm going to try and find you another name here. See if I can um, find it. Okay, Chad Pennington. Pennington. Ooh. I feel like he was, was he a Jet or was he a Titan? I feel like he was a Titan. 
Is that right, Kyle? Is he a Titan? Uh, no, he was not. Okay. Well, sorry to simplify it. All right, he was a Jet, and did he play in Dallas, or did he play in Miami? That is I'm gonna the... say he played in Miami. Yeah. Um, okay. I was hoping not to go over three. There you go. <laughs> All right. Jets and Cowboys as Kyle starts to type in Pennington. Yes, sir. Jets and Cowboys. Uh-huh. Let's see. Hmm? Uh, Chad Pennington doesn't even have a face. Yeah, that that's what I was expecting to. I wonder I couldn't recognize Chad Pennington. Yeah, whoa, that is uh, kind of disrespectful there. I know. Uh, let's see, Cowboys, Jets. Ooh. I feel like there's someone recent. I feel like whenever I do these immaculate grids, I feel like there's someone recent, and then I can never figure it out. Yeah, I mean, there, there, uh, there is someone uh, pretty recent. Actually, this doesn't count players who haven't played for their – New teams, right? Yeah, they have to play at least one uh, game, and it has to be within the mm. uh, Pro Football Reference database. Right. Okay. Um, All right, because I'll tell you what, Vinny Testaverde was the name I had here. Okay. And uh, name's hard to come. To be honest with you, I have wasn't able to really find any other ones. What was Vinny Testaverde's uh, percentage? He was for, this, for these 20, two teams. Eight percent. Eight percent. Twenty-three. Okay. Uh, Vinny Testaverde. I'm going to say he played for the Cowboys and the Jets. There you go. That is correct. Yep. All right. Bears and Titans. Darnell Mooney. No. I can oh, let's see. Julio Jones, no. Julio Jones has not played in Chicago. <laughs> uh let's see. I think uh DJ Moore, no. Uh Robert Woods, no. Um C- no, not CJ O'Conquo. Uh, that would have been an idea there. Uh, let's see. Oh, I think I'm going to have to give up here. Who is the Bears and Titans that you can think of? So the Bears and Titans, it's very limited here. This is okay. the hardest answer there is, Brevin. Oh, so struggled. The answer here, the top answer is Kendall Wright, 17%. Yeah, I would not have gotten Kendall Wright. So Kendall Wright, he is the top answer here. Another answer that could have worked is Justin Gage. <laughs> okay. So uh, this was a pretty difficult immaculate grid all in all together. Because I don't think many people are getting Kendall Wright. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Bears, Titans. I'm looking here to see some of these answers. Let's see if I would have got any of them. 
as I like through this. I'm not seeing anyone. George Blanda, I would not have guessed, but Hall of Famer, I'm pretty sure. George Blanda. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um. I'm sorry to any of the Hall of Famers that I skip over as I look at this list. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't see any here that I would have gotten. Tough list. A bear and a titan. Yeah. There are 51 possible answers, and I could not think of any of the 51. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a tough list. Just a one out of four players playing in today's Immaculate Football Grid is getting a bear and a titan. Yeah. <laughs> 25%. The other 75 are not even close. <laughs> there you go. And the player scores is a lot closer from is a lot closer from 1 to 8 than you see on other Immaculate Grids. Yeah, definitely. That was a tough one, but you still did pretty well for mm-hmm. the for the players I told you. Yeah. Mhm. All right, that was Immaculate Grid today. Cal, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think that, that'll do it. I mean, you did pretty well. I mean, uh, all in all, uh, you, you hung in there. The players I named for you, I mean, you only missed, like, one of them. Oh, like a 10-pitch at bat in the box. That was good stuff, man. Huh? That's been some right. football. I, I think the football Immaculate Grid was uh, – was not a thing until I saw the baseball one and then until that became popular. Then, so uh, the football one kind of caught my interest, but I don't know. The baseball one might be a little easier, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, the reference group uh, just unveiled a football one. So for soccer. Hmm. I might be good at that one. I'll have to uh-huh. try. Yeah, so you got PSG, Chelsea, uh, Argentina, or no, Brazil. Excuse me, not Argentina. You got Liverpool, just as some of the teams on today. So, go have a crack at it, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, this is awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for us here for Down the Line for Kyle Betts, I'm Brother Honda. Next week, a whole new list of sports that we'll talk about. Maybe we'll get into some Little League World Series next week taking place in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We'll talk talk more baseball as we get towards the end of August and the uh, beginning of the September for the playoff push. Um, maybe we'll talk more basketball as Team USA gets set for the World Cup. Um, next week, we'll definitely talk World Cup, uh, FIFA Women's World Cup soccer. Um, we'll know a champion by that point. Um, so yeah, that'll be all up next year, um, next week on Down the Line.